when you set a, uh, a podcast theme of talking to people about like idiotic rides, turns out you end up with some characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it was a really fun way to stay connected with our bike friends and bike community, in, you know, in, in the void, filling that void a little bit, you know, um, we can't all be together, especially going into cross season where, you know, weekends are spent at races, right. Heckling people and catching up with folks that you may not see otherwise. So I feel like this was such a great way to celebrate bikes with our friends and people that I've definitely admired as, as people in our community who ride and race and, you know, are fun. So I seem to have a good, I think good heads on their shoulders about what it's really all about. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this case, we got a twofer. Yeah. Um, Cause we got, got Jeremy Gardner and Dylan Stagner who are teammates of mine. And also insane, just insane people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what they did was pretty amazing and like extra amazing because they spent months planning it and then just completely changed the plan with like three days to go. Yeah. Just like had, had zero down to like the minute how they were going to break the record for fastest time between Pittsburgh and DC, you know, on the, on the two trails. And then the record got smashed like three days before they did it. And they, they were like, well, we still want to beat the record. So they just like, all right, how do we three hours out of our. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> like, all right, so, well, no, easy. We just don't stop. <laughs> holy shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Just, I feel uncomfortable just thinking about it. I personally didn't experience any sort of hallucination, which was very common for the other folks. I wanted to, and I was, Kind of bummed that I didn't get to. <laughs> Dylan, Jeremy, welcome to the Big Dumb Ride. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having us. Excited. Yeah, we're into dumb rides. <laughs> yeah, clearly, clearly. So. Um, for the purposes of our conversation today, we've we've chosen one particular big dumb ride, uh, which you two did together. Um, so I'll ask you, you know, either one of you who wants to start off, uh, describe the ride. Uh, what was it? How far was it? Yeah, so I'll start. So uh, it's the Gapco ride, which is actually uh, two trails together: uh, the Great Allegheny Passage from uh, Pittsburgh to Cumberland, Maryland, which is I think 150 miles. And then uh, the CNO Canal towpath from Cumberland, Maryland, into Georgetown in DC, which is uh, 185 miles, 184 miles. Um, and we did that in a straight shot, uh, starting at seven in the morning and finishing um, well after four the next morning. <laughs> One big dumb ride. Yeah, and when you say straight shot, you mean you got on your bikes and you. I think our stoppage time was like 70 minutes overall. Yeah. So we were, we were for the, uh, yeah, we were riding for most of that time. And, and why? <laughs> yeah, that's, there, a great, man. that's a great question. I mean, <laughs> even when I hear 70 minutes of stopping, that's just bananas. Like, I don't know what, I don't know where we were. Like, that's just wild. But you, yeah. you had a, a, a time in mind. Yeah, for sure. So I think Jeremy and I have actually talked about this. Um, originally, I think we just talked about doing the CNO maybe. And this is an idea that, that we've sort of been kicking around for a while. But, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit and quarantine hit and, and we all stopped racing, we sort of like, we're both, I think, looking for a challenge and looking for uh, also a way to compete because, you know, we're both pretty serious uh, uh, cross racers were taken pretty seriously anyways. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was sort of filling a need for me at least for for competition that I was looking for. So yeah, so there's a, several people have, have done this before us. Um, and so there was a number, there was a time in mind for us to beat for sure. But it's, it's, it's more dramatic than that because the, that time is, uh, the, the time that we ended up wanting to beat was basically given to us three days before we left. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, this is really good. I mean, Spielberg should really think about getting on this because we had, we had a, we had a plan and then it was all foobar and, uh, we had to totally, well, basically Dylan, 
Yeah, I mean, Dylan basically came up with our, our new plan and was like, hey, how about this? What if we just don't, like, stop? <laughs> what if we just bring all of our food and we just don't stop? And, um, and I was like, yeah, of course, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, so that's fine. I, I think as of, like, a month before, the time to beat was uh, 23 hours um, yeah we're just under 23 hours wow um and then like three days before actually so the week before we did it somebody took like an hour and a half off that time yeah and set it at like 21 36 we didn't i just stumbled on that like the night before we were going to drive up to pittsburgh so um that's when we sort of <laughs> we figured out our entire plan we had this plan of like oh we'll get dinner in this town and we'll have a nice little break and you know, we think we can move fast enough to build in some cushion. And then and then we just threw all of that out. It's like we're carrying everything. We're not stopping. Uh, <laughs> we're just going to hammer for as long as it takes. The competitive juices kicked in. Yeah, exactly. You guys got motivated. What did you guys do to, to prepare for this? <laughs> what did, I mean, I know you guys ride a lot. Your cross ratios are pretty strong. But how do you prepare for an essentially 24-hour nonstop ride on a good chunk of it's on gravel. Um, I ended up just putting in a, a bunch of miles for about five or six weeks. And then um, I was basically, I think for the month of August, I got in about a thousand miles. And um, so basically I was putting in about two or 250 a week. And, um, and then I had Shenandoah Mountain 100. And uh, and then from Shenandoah Mountain 100, I had a, a like exactly four weeks until the Gapco ride, and um, I think building up for Shenandoah really helped with you know giving me some miles on the legs. But I I just still was I was still very wary that like I was going to be able to do this in a, in, in the time that we thought we were going to do. It's uh, for me the this ride has completely transformed the way that I think that I can ride for a really long time. Um, I have I have some really big goals. I have some really yeah interesting sort of thoughts on on what I thought was sort of possible, and now it's just been totally totally blown up. It's it's really kind of amazing. Well, so say more about the this, like how it's changed your thinking about biking going forward. I'm kind of curious as to. Well, uh, like like Dylan was saying, we you know we both have been sort of talking about um, doing this or doing the CNO, and I actually I've been thinking a lot about doing this, you know, sub 24 hour Gapco ride for as soon as as soon as like Chris Hsu had actually done it, um, I thought like, oh yeah, that's, I want to do that. I really want to like, I want to like break his record. And I just didn't think it was actually like a hundred percent possible. I thought, you know, he just, he's just like on another level that I'm not really going to be able to get to. And like, sure. Like I can, you know, I could outrace him, but he is just on this other sort of plane where he was able to like do this ride because I just didn't, I didn't think it was really quite as possible as it, as it was. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I don't know. My, my longest rides before that had been like, like the 120 and 140 mark and then um, back to back centuries, but with like a pretty, a good gap of time in between. So this, yeah, this was just totally, totally, totally different. It really, yeah, I, I'm excited to do more, like, I'm excited to do more big, dumb rides like this. Yeah. What about you, Dylan? Yeah, I mean, pretty similar. You know, I, I spent a lot of time just working on getting my mileage up. The, the big challenge that this ride presented is so much of it was in the dark, obviously. Um, we did this ride on, on October 2nd. Uh, second and third. So we had, you know, less than 12 hours of daylight um, and we tried to use as much of it as we could. So um, obviously we were riding a light on a, at, 
night a lot and, and on the canal especially um even if you have like good moonlight which we did plan close to a full moon so we could try and take advantage of that you know it's it's uh it's in pretty deep tree cover so it's pretty dark and we're trying to move pretty fast so a consideration was figuring out our lighting system that would be both sufficient to light the trail but also would last long enough you know for us to be out there for eight or ten hours or you know things went wrong all night basically so one of the things that we did that, that was really useful was we did a, a uh, sort of a, a shakeout ride the week before we rode up from DC. We rode up to uh, White's Ferry and got to White's Ferry like right at right at nightfall, and then rode back the last 35 miles or so. Oh yeah. Dark, um, which that was really important to me. I was probably most concerned about that about riding at night. It's you know it's it's on it's a little spooky. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, but it's also, you know, it's a little dangerous. You're, you know, deer and stuff and, and animals. Uh, and marmots. And marmots, yeah, can sort of pop up and as can potholes and, and bends yeah. in the road and stuff. Andy and I had this experience coming back in the dark from White's Ferry, and it was everything you described. Potholes, animals jumping out of the bushes at you. But we there were these spider webs across the trail the whole way. Or weavers. Like, it was crazy yeah. at the end of the ride we both had these like spider webs on the front of our handlebars that were also catching all of the bugs <laughs> coming through it was great effective, effective spider webs yeah but yeah it's a spooky trail at night and it's a little i'm i'm impressed you guys kept the speed that you did because it's pretty it gets a little treacherous yeah and our, our next question would normally be like what were your expectations for what you thought this would be like but actually i think i think in your case uh, there's maybe a little bit of a better question here. Like, just for the, the benefit of our listeners, your intentions here were to to break the record for fastest time from Pittsburgh to D.C. Did you think you were going to do it? And and at what point during the ride did you realize that it was going to happen? The original time we set out to beat before um, it, it got broke again a week before we did it, uh, I was pretty confident in that one. I was less confident they were going to beat uh, 2136, which was the the, um, the mark that was set a week before us. Um, and I guess we haven't even said. So our time was uh, 20 hours and 52 minutes. I don't know if we sort of buried the lead there. Um, so fast. And, and how many miles? Uh, 335 total. Uh, and what was the average speed? Uh, our overall elapsed average speed was 16 miles an hour. Um, I think our moving speed, uh, our moving speed was 17. Good, good uh, word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, thinking about that. <laughs> uh, and it was definitely, um, it was definitely a negative split. You know, we were, we were yeah. cooking at like 18, close to 19 miles an hour along the gap um, until, we hit our, until we hit our first checkpoint. But, but we definitely slowed down once, uh, you know, 250 miles in in the dark. Uh, it's pretty hard to, to keep that speed going. Um, but to answer, answer your question, I was, you know, we, we had mapped out the, the um, waypoints that we needed to, to hit, um, you know, to sort of stay on track for that. And I don't think it was until we passed uh, maybe Williamsport, which is 100 miles out from Georgetown, that I really started to feel confident that, that we were ahead of schedule. Um, and I, and I think a lot of the reason we were able to do that is because we, we just didn't stop very much. We didn't really move that faster than, than the time we beat, but, but we did just, we won the stops, so. Yeah, but even then I was, you know, I was trying pretty hard not to celebrate in my head too much. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, one, one flat tire or something and like, you know, it's, it's all out the window, right? I was a little bit after. I, I think when we um, <clears throat> when we, we we took a little breather in Harper's Ferry. I don't remember actually what we were. I don't remember what we did, but we stopped there and um, and it was really cold. And I uh, I remember thinking in Harper's Ferry like, damn, it's really cold and like. I know we're doing really well, but I, I I don't know if we can do this. I think we can, but like, you know, there's 60 odd miles still. Um, so 
Yeah, I just um, I just kept thinking like, you know, we're we're riding well, but it wasn't. It really wasn't until we were like practically in Georgetown, and I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna get this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and I was feeling. Yeah, I think actually from like the Great Escape all the way to Georgetown, I was I was like super pumped. Um, I think I could have gone like even way faster than I had been, but I just was, I, we were just like in such a momentum of like 17 miles an hour kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, well, one of our questions was, uh, you know, were there moments of, you know, doubt or second thoughts? And it sounds like it wasn't so much second thoughts as much as like, we're not sure we're going to pull this off until you actually were at the end. Like the first part, as I understand it, of the Gapco is, is actually pretty nice riding. It's fairly smooth, but you get onto the CNO and it's narrow. There's a canal on your left side. <laughs> there's woods on the other with critters in it. There's potholes. There's, you know, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> you were cooking out of Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, as you'd expect, and, and as you say, the, the CNO, or sorry, the gap is like a nice fine gravel. Um, the CNO is a little chunkier, and, and yeah. also we were exhausted and it was dark. So yes, we were definitely moving slower. <laughs> I, I will say that is until um, we decided Fletcher's Cove, we'd really start to, to move and like, <laughs> you know, in quotes, sprint, uh, <laughs> which our sprint at that point was probably all of 17 and a half miles an hour. <laughs> Um, but it felt good just to just to be like you know I'm yeah. not saving I'm not saving this for anything I'm I'm just gonna this is it yeah you can going for it the lights of Georgetown and I do want to ask you guys about the tunnel yeah did you hit Paw Paw at dark we hit it just before sunset oh um, lucky yeah which was very fortunate because I also had passed it in the dark and I mean it's spooky in the daylight with a group of people that you know like it's doing it at night by yourself is uh, yeah super creepy. It's sort of tested. Um, yeah. that, that was actually an interesting point because I've, I've crossed through it several times and I've always um, played it super safe and, and walked my bike. Um, yeah, I wouldn't let you walk it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jeremy just like, he was like, well, we can ride it. And uh, he just seems fine right through. And of course, and it was absolutely fine. But that probably saved us 15 or 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> that, that he was like, no, nah, this is okay. Yeah, no doubt. And and it absolutely was. I mean, it was the right call for sure. Yeah, I, it's funny. Um, I I was super excited to to do the tunnel too, and I I definitely um, I was just super. I was very very yeah excited, and um, there were some people in it, and we had to we had to navigate that at one just one moment. But those poor people. We, we were coming through pretty quick. So I actually, yeah, I kind of feel bad because, yeah, they were kind of like WTF, like, <laughs> and we were just like hauling ass, I think. Yeah. Um, for me, it wasn't too spooky, but it was later on during like, uh, I don't know, there was like a moment past Williamsport where I started getting a little sleepy and, and I got a little, a little spooked out, but that was... Um, we haven't talked about this, but that was like, I personally didn't experience any sort of hallucination, which was very common for the other folks. I wanted to, and I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to. <laughs> um, there's still time, I mean. Yeah, oh yeah, there's, I'm sure. To do that. <laughs> yeah, this is coming from like a master mushroom hunter. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and someone who's also, you know, been mostly straight edge their entire life. I, I like the idea of being able to naturally put myself into a hallucinatory, like, spot, you know. Um, no, I think, um, I don't know if, if, one of the things that I've thought a lot about with this ride is that, um, you know, I had a number of things going on in my life and they sort of intersected while we were doing this ride. And there was a part of me that really wanted this to just break me. I just wanted to be completely at the finish and broken. And that was totally not the case. I felt totally fine. I felt like I had just done a really long ride, but I wasn't like, broken in any sort of way um 
I, I, I felt like, yeah, like I, I was way more broken by some races than I was this, this Gapco ride, but that's how it goes, I guess. And you're uniquely suited to this. How was the morning after? Oh, that was a little rough, yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're basically saying you're, you're now in need of an even bigger, dumber ride so that you can feel... Well, possibly, possibly. But, you know, I, I think it really was that moment. And, you know, I've, I've, I've done some of those big, dumb runs where I've, I've gotten to a point of, you know, mild hallucinating. And um, I just thought that this ride was going to be, like, the ultimate, like, fuck you up. Like, I, but it, it didn't. It really, for me anyways, it, I, I felt like, you know, we, we rode nice and hard but at a pace that was yeah that we could maintain and it just like i don't know i guess we were just you know we were in shape and we were ready for it that that's a pretty natural segue into the next questions here which are um for each of you what was your highest high and lowest low um i mean the you know the obvious highest high so uh, shout out to a couple of our grayscape teammates who were who uh, met us at the end at, at four in the morning um uh, Kelly McHugh and Kelly Roberson and, and uh, Alex Hinton, which was uh, which was super clutch, and they brought us uh, warm clothes and uh, donuts and stuff, which was awesome. But um, I, I wasn't. We sort of planned out that that, that some people were going to be there, but we weren't sure. You know, it's it's a big ask, and and um, who was actually going to be able to make it? But we turned the corner um, into the uh, the uh, boathouse and. and uh, uh, the mile marker zero is behind the boathouse, and we heard cowbells going. Um, nice. As soon as I heard the cowbells, that was a, <laughs> that was a pretty high point. Four in the morning. At four in the morning, yes. It, it was incredible, and and also, um, you know, I, I think in I think we only updated people twice. First in Cumberland, and at that point, I, I put our ETA at, at four thirty. Yeah. And, and then the second time. In, as Jeremy mentioned, we stopped in Harper's Ferry, um, and I updated there. But I, I was kind of loopy then, and I didn't even <laughs> – I just said, we're in Harper's Ferry. Um, please, anyone's going to meet, bring us jackets. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I think Kelly McEwen um, uh, did the math and figured out, like, when we would be there. And so knew to be there actually earlier than I had, than I had, than I had previously predicted, which was Amazing. A, um, pretty clutch. And I would say the the only like really low moment or or sort of I don't know panicky kind of moment. Um, I guess about forty miles in, Jeremy got just like a little puncture in his in his uh, rear tire, and um, it sealed up pretty quickly. You know, he's running tubeless tires with sealants. Um, it sealed up pretty quickly, but you know when he when he said I have to stop, and then uh, I rolled up to him and he was like I hear I hear a hiss. Oh um, yeah. That was pretty worrying because, you know, 40 miles in, is, uh, it'd be a real bummer to get thrown off at that point. Um, but, it, it, you know, the funny thing is it sealed up and we lost a few pounds. And I don't think we ever even put any more air in or, or did anything with it. It just, wow. it just rolled right through. So it was fine. No, we, we didn't. And I, uh, my low was um, not necessarily like a low, but there was uh, – the climb up to the Great Divide or the, the Continental Divide, um, it was a lot tougher on the single speed than I thought it would be. Have we mentioned that Jeremy did this on a single speed? <laughs> I don't think we have. And so, uh, no. <laughs> of course, Jeremy did this on the single speed. Yeah, we glossed over that part. Yeah, no big deal. But anyways, <laughs> continue, sorry. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I, I don't know if you noticed this, Dylan, but I definitely... You know, I was feeling really strong, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, wow, okay, this is this is actually tough." And I, I, I definitely needed like your support at that moment. And um, I was thinking, like, "Okay, like, yeah, this is tough." And then, and I didn't really think, like, I didn't dwell on it too much because I still felt. I felt strong, but I just felt like I couldn't keep up the speed that you wanted to keep up and without actually like going into a little bit of a red zone. Um, but once we got up to the divide, man, that was, 
Actually, I that was kind of a major high when we got to the the divide. That was pretty awesome because mm-hmm. um, we were already like way ahead and we felt good and it was just such a beautiful day and I thought I, I still think about that moment. That was pretty awesome because there were a bunch of people up there too. Like they were, you know, as if they were like cheering for us and. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty cool because some people did ask us what we were doing, and then when we explained it to them, they just were like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Why?" Yeah. There was there was someone we spoke to in in uh, Connellsville, Pennsylvania, which is, I think, sixty miles in. Um, it, and I thought this was interesting because you know it was a sort of an old guy out smoking a cigarette who saw our gear and was obviously sort of in touch enough with, with the GAPCO um, and understood, you know, that this is like more, normally a four or five day thing and asked how far we're going to try and make it that night. Um, and then also was, was clued in, I think, that he knew that the record was like 24 hours or around 24 hours. Um, so it was kind of cool, like, like uh, I guess that, you know, people who live close by the trail or who spend a lot of time on the trail are, are sort of aware of um, how big and dumb you can do this, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. You guys like you out there. So, I mean, looking back on this, it's kind of fun. I feel like we're in like a quasi group therapy session where <laughs> after the ride, each person kind of tells the other rider like what they liked and what didn't work for them. And <laughs> so we're glad to be part of this. Also, you'll get your, your bill in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I have to check with my insurance and see if this is. But what's one thing you guys would have done differently to prepare looking back on this? Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say a little thing, and I've I've already kind of said this before, but um, I I there's no, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I think what we did was uh, at least for us, it was almost as close to perfection as it as it could have gone. Honestly, like. I can think of ways in which other people can certainly maybe even easily break our record, but, um, but the way in which we did it and, um, you know, knowing a little bit about how each of us rides, I think we, I think we, it was just perfect, you know, like, again, we, we didn't come like rolling home like a, you know, like a heap of shit. We basically rolled in and we're like, you know, we did this and, you know, we could stand up and we, you know, we just, I don't know. It was, I didn't necessarily think that it was going to be that way, but it just sort of, it did. And looking back, I think it's because, you know, each of us um, sort of knew our limits and we pushed ourselves to that limit, but not over it. it yeah, I agree. I think, um, I do think it, we executed our plan about as flawlessly as we could have. And, and some of that is luck for sure. You know, like, like I said, like one mechanical, um, and, and it was a really nice day. It was good weather, but you're not at all guaranteed in October. Um, I don't know if there's anything I do differently. The, the only thing I, I might say is uh, warmer clothes. You know, we, we I at least cut it, cut it pretty close there. It was pretty chilly starting and pretty chilly at the end. Yeah, um, and every time we stopped, you know, we stopped for a couple, a couple times to refill water on the CNO, and it was cold when we started moving again for sure. Yeah, and you're sweating. Uh, that's the one sort of practical thing that I would definitely do differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that very true. Just I, I, I will not forget. Um, I will not forget that stop in Harper's Ferry because I, I, yeah, I just couldn't really get my hands together. It was like we, we yeah. were. You know, we weren't, um, I wasn't hallucinating either, but we were both pretty loopy, I think, and pretty, you know, we were not functioning at the peak of our abilities. And I think we'd stopped there because we thought there was maybe a water pump there. And it turned out there wasn't, but Uh that had been our plan. It was like, we're going to get to Harper's Ferry and, you know, we'd earn to stop. Um, And then I think, I don't know, there was something where you were trying to get uh, some snacks out of your bag or something, and I thought I'd save time by helping you close your bag after you did it. And then I couldn't figure out how to like work the buckle or something like that. <laughs> um, we were both just sort of like a little bit of a mess and it, and it was cold and there was a train rolling over the tracks. So it was cold and loud and windy and, and <laughs> behaving uh, not very well. Have you guys done big rides together? Like you seem to 
it sounds like things went really well. It came together. But I mean, it, a lot of being successful on these rides is like finding the right partner to work together with and kind of, you know, when one person's down, the other person's up and, you know, each, each person kind of brings something to the ride that makes it kind of work. It seems like you guys have a good, a good rapport. We haven't done any, anything big like this before. Um, you know, some, some long road rides together, but nothing like this, but I mean, agreed. Uh, I had great company, so that, that helped my ride for sure. And, and yeah. the, other thing, the other thing to add to that is I'll say if anyone else was like, I want to do this with you, but I want to do it on a single speed, I'd say, I'd say no. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say I veto your decision or you got to find someone else. But Jeremy is a, is a, has earned the right to make that call for sure. <laughs> you know, for the most part, the single speed was totally, totally fine on, on the Gapco. But um, yeah, the divide there, that was, Going up and down was definitely a, a little bit of a disadvantage, but mostly mostly that trail is totally suited for a single speed. Jeremy, how did you choose your gear ratio for this? Yeah, um, I just chose what basically at, at a, a cadence of 90, you know, what speed would I need to go for 23 hours or 22 hours, whatever. So yeah, basically my my gear ratio was um, right at 18 or 18.1. I think it might have been the same ratio that I used for Croatan. So when you when you realized that you were going to have to actually be an hour and a half faster than you originally thought, did you change your gear ratio or did you just spin faster? No, I I did think a lot about that because I had been sort of. Um, riding and training with this other, yeah, with this one particular time in mind, and then it, yeah, and then it was quite a bit faster. Um, I did, I, I, I switched it up, and then I went back to my original. With the single speed, like, you can't, like, use the other gears to, like, you know, um, stretch out your legs or... You know, when you have other gears, even if you're riding in a really hard gear, it, it allows your body to like stretch itself in a way where the single speed, you're just spinning. So you just have to get used to that sort of cadence, I guess. And um, my one worry was that, you know, way into the ride, I was, my legs were just going to get fried just because they were spinning so much. But, um, but it, yeah, it worked out. It worked out nicely, I think. Again, the only time I felt like I was in any sort of trouble was on the climb up to the divide. And honestly, most of that was just me not realizing how long that climb really was. Um, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, like I knew it, but I, I didn't know it. And and that's that was when I was just, just like, I don't remember exactly, but I, I was thinking in my head, like, I got to tell Dylan. And I think I eventually did tell Dylan that, like, I'm not going to be able to keep up this pace with you if, uh, for 200 more miles if we keep going at this speed. So, so that's um, honestly that's the only time that we helped each other out as far as like. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the climb itself is maybe 20 miles long, but it's it's a death by a thousand cuts kind of climb. You know, it's like a half a percent, um, and we were only really like working together. I don't know, maybe five miles. Most of most of the ride, I think we rode side by side, honestly. Um, I think it, we, we did very little drafting, in part because you can't, you don't get a huge benefit at 16 and a half, 17 miles an hour drafting. So uh, Dylan, what, what about your gear choices? You know, I, I a lot of it, I just sort of um, run what I brung. Um, I have, you, you know, I, I rode my normal cyclocross bike that I also use for, for gravel stuff. Um, I did swap out uh, for the Continental Terra Speed tires. I think Jeremy ran those as well. You actually reviewed on the Andy on the on the Grayscape website. Um, shameless plug. And, yeah, shameless plug. <laughs> I'll help you out there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, good feedback um, as as a fast rolling tire. Um, but that was the only real change I made to my bike. Everything else, I guess. In addition, I bought a, a fancy light system and a, a battery pack for my Garmin. Um, 
but those were sort of more out of necessity. There's um, less room to get creative there. Both of you have spent a lot of time and probably countless rides riding part of the canal trail, part of the, the Chesapeake and Ohio, Ohio Canal Trail. After doing this, especially riding a pretty significant portion of that trail in the dark, like, do you view that route, like the canal trail itself, do you view that differently? Do you feel differently about the kind of mundane, boring, easily accessible trail that we've all ridden a hundred times having done it like this? Yeah, I mean, you say it well, because it is, it's weird that it's, you know, having it so close sort of takes away some of the novelty and having it, you know, so easy and something I've done so many times, especially the parts closest to me. Um, I have sort of a different relationship with the parts of the trail that are, I've only crossed, you know, three or four times and that are um, much more wild and, and feel much more remote, at least, even if they are still, you know, fairly close in. Um, I don't know. Uh, as, as far as our, as our ride went, I did, um, the CNO was a little bit of a blur. So I, I don't quite, I don't know. It's like I, there are moments I remember, but it's um, it's funny to like think back that like I can only remember these very tiny moments, and we were on the trail for 185 miles. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, I was. I guess I, I guess maybe I'm just glad that, like you said, like it's it's something that's so rote and something we do so much. Um, that um, it's nice that uh, I was uh, able to just sort of zone out on it. it. You know, it's different too when you're riding it at night like that, you know, um, or racing it. I mean, really, that's what we were doing. We were racing it at night. And yeah, it just it was kind of a blur most of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to me is how, no matter how many times I've ridden that trail, depending on the time of day, the season, or just my state of mind, I'll be like, I'll think I'm one on one part of the trail and I'll be surprised by like a landmark or marker. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm here. I thought I was like three miles down the road or whatever. So it's an interesting landscape to keep exploring. Um, it's a vortex is what it is. <laughs> vortex of misery. A lot of the, the conversations we've had on this podcast and just like me and Andy on our dumb rides is... Um, kind of the impact of COVID this year on biking and our relationship to cycling with the disruption to racing and, you know, and or the, the usual kind of structures we, we look to for community and, and enjoyment on bikes. So group rides and, you know, team stuff and togetherness. And, and at the same time, bikes have been this amazing outlet for so many people through this. I know I feel super lucky to be able to get on a bike and get out of my house and go far, especially right now feeling kind of locked down. So one of the questions we've been asking people in conversation is kind of what this year has meant to you and how, how it's changed your relationship to cycling. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am really glad that we found this sort of outlet, you know, for some of the, the competition that, that I've been missing. I mean, that's, that's the thing that, that, you know, fall for me is generally sort of structured around cyclocross. Um, and so I miss the routine of that and, and the, you know, the people that, that are part of that and, and part of the way that I do it. Um, and that is, you know, the thing I'm probably most looking forward to in, in the cycling world about, about things coming back together, you know, things, uh, hopefully next year, I guess, knock on wood. Um, but you know, this was this was a big year for me for a lot of solo riding that I haven't done as much of, um, and a lot of sort of unstructured solo riding, um, which I, I I'm fairly structured about my training usually. So um, I, I I think in a way it was good to have an off year from some of that. Especially it was good to have a fall in which I am, am not focused on training for a cross race or getting up early and spending my whole day at a cross race and doing sort of longer, slower, um, less focused types of riding. Um, that said, it's, it's, I've done more riding this year than I've done ever. You know, I said a, a, a personal best for mileage just because, you know, what else was there to do? So 
I'm definitely <laughs> lucky to, to still have that. Uh, yeah, everybody's gotten really, really yeah. fit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I love how, how like all these companies and racing groups and apps are trying to like fill the gap. Like, you know, fucking Strava is like local legend. This is mm -hmm. the thing now for your commute, but you know, whatever. If you think about it hard enough, you inevitably land on the fact that someone is the local legend of Beach Drive. <laughs> and what must that be like? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, is. it could be you, Andy. <laughs> it is <laughs> not. <laughs> that was his way of working that in. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's interesting to hear, Jeremy. It's interesting to hear you say that you know this has maybe sort of shifted your focus a little bit, and and you're thinking more about these big sorts of things. Um, I'm so glad we did this, and I'm so glad it worked out. Um, but I also can't wait to going back to racing. Fritz and Cross and, and, you know, making myself want to puke on my trainer on a Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> so, so fun. Because that's, for some reason, that's the part of, of cycling that I've been missing the most. Wow, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Good. Maybe yeah. like February. <laughs> what about you, Jeremy? This is all like new to me. Um, <laughs> the miles weren't new, but um, all the uh, other stuff was new. So, um, I also really, really miss the cyclocross season, and um, my normal MO is that I actually, I, I really don't train that much. I just, I really love racing in the shape, and so um, to put in like a thousand miles in a, in a month is like, you know, I have not done that for many, many, many years. Um, so that like everybody else, like getting in all that time has been really, it's been really good, but, um, but yeah, it's not usually what I normally would do. So I have been thinking about that. Like as much as I want to do more of these like epic things, it means like putting in a lot of time and that's, um, yeah, that can be, that can be really tough. Um, not just for the time commitment, but just also like whether I want to like make that what I do, you know? Are you are you eyeing any future bigger, dumber rides as you're thinking about that? Like, is this purely hypothetical? No, I am definitely, uh, I'm definitely in my head, I'm thinking I'm going to be training like about a thousand miles in January for Huracan. Yeah. 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 I, I would really like to do that. Um, I also have... Uh, yeah, I, I have another loftier goal, which is, it's going to sound really silly, but I've been looking a lot at like Lael's times and I've been thinking a lot more about, I could do that. Like, I really think I could actually do that. So I've been thinking about some of those real big dumb rides and actually putting in like, you know, 250 a day for a while. Florida would be would be awesome. Um, I'm really really hoping. We haven't talked about it, but I'm hoping Dylan is also interested because I, I don't want to really do it alone. I would really like to do it again with with Dylan. That would be that would be ideal, especially for that. I know on the podcast. <laughs> Are you asking him out? <laughs> you, you have to say yes. I'm uh. Yeah, I'm I'm harack and curious. Um, I'm, I'm definitely willing to have that conversation for sure. You should listen to our interview with Steve Bork about Harakin first. Before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah thankfully, <clears throat> thankfully we've we've recorded the definitive guide to Harakin three hundred plus. Backgrounds. That'll be part yeah. of the research for sure. Yeah. yeah. Crocodiles, Taco Bell. And that's, those are the main takeaways, I think, from the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's other tales, it sounds like. Yeah, well, you know, Sarah asked him, she's like, you know, I, I read these things about Florida, and it's like Florida man found half alive inside of snake. And, and Steve's response was like, oh, yeah, that could have absolutely been us. <laughs> um, all right, I think it's time for our rapid fire round. Are you guys ready for that? Do it. Oh. 
All right. So these, these are intended to be relatively short answers. Um, that hasn't worked out at all. So, no. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're just going to take it as we, uh, as it comes. Um, uh, Dylan, uh, of the bikes that you have owned, uh, what has been your favorite bike? Oof. Oh, that's, that's an impossible question. Which one of my children do I love the most? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so hard. And they're right behind me. They can hear me. So, <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. you know, the, the bike I did this, I mean, it may just be because it's so fresh and I'm thinking about all this stuff, but the, the uh, bike I did um, this ride on, which is a orange giant TCX, um, has given me a lot of good times for sure. Um, it, you know, it, it might be my Niner Hardtail, which I, which is a, it's a, uh, I bought it, I think 2014. It's a Niner Air 9. It's a sort of cross country um, hardtail. I bought it back when mountain bikes were uh, doubles up front. Um, and it, it's, it's uh, survived several sort of reimaginations and it's now a fully rigid, um, it, it doesn't have a lot of purpose. I, I, I call it my, my $3,000, $600 commuter, um, or th my $3,000, $600 hybrid. Um, <laughs> but that might be what I would do racking on. That's what I've done, you know, hilly billy on. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a flat bar bike with big knobby tires and, and a fully rigid frame. And uh, you can have a lot of fun on a bike like that. Um, so that, that, yeah, too hard to choose, but, but those two would be up there for sure. Yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, Jeremy, what, what about you? What is, what is the favorite bike you've ever owned? Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about recent stuff too. And I've been very, very surprised, but, um, I, so last January I bought a road bike and I haven't had a road bike in many, many years. And, um, it has been very fun. I've really enjoyed riding the road bike and not just like making my breadwinner, you know, uh, into a road bike. Um, yeah, surprisingly, but it, it has been very fun. That is very surprising. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. You know, yeah. fast is fun. Support this. Support this. All right, Dylan, of all the bikes that you've owned, what is the worst bike you've ever owned? Oh. Um, you know, I went through like, a, I got into bikes, I think like peak fixie conversion phase and phase in like 2004, 2005. And I had uh, cobbled something together from the swap meets uh, that I look back on and, you know, it was a brakeless fixie that I rode without clipping pedals with no helmet in the city in, you know, when I was an undergrad. And, um, it was a lot, I had a lot of fun on it, but if you ask me of all the bikes I've owned, which I would least like to ride today, um, it's, it's no question it, it's that bike. That might be a better way to phrase that question in the future. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all great. I had fun on all of them. You know, they're all fun toys. Um, yeah. But that's the one I, it's the bike I least regret selling. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Jeremy? Worst bike you've ever owned? Huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They, yeah, they have definitely all been... It's just been a joy to like, I guess it would be like, you know, the old gnarly bikes I had when I was a kid, you know, and um, like, I always wanted to, I always wanted to race bikes, but it was just never going to like happen because of the cost, you know? And um, yeah, I don't know. So many of those bikes when I was a kid, man, me and my brother would just destroy them and then try and rebuild them. And, but it was fun. It was fun. I can't think of any bikes that I've had that like weren't fun, but there probably was one. I just can't think of it. I can't think of it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did the only sort of thing I had thought of, I had this road bike. Um, I was on this team and we were sponsored by Fuji and we had these like um, Fuji super lights and they were ridiculously lightweight aluminum. And every time I would get up and go for a sprint, the whole back end would just fly up because it was just, it was just, it was just too, too, too light and too wobbly. <laughs> and man, that was, that was scary in crits. Just, 
going all out and the, the back end is like flopping all over the place. <laughs> yeah. What's the um, strangest thing you've ever eaten mid-ride? You know, I will go hard in, in a gas station um, and, and put some real poison into my body. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll say that our, I don't think we mentioned the, the stop that we had planned um, that we ended up cutting out with the sheets. Uh, and, oh, uh, we love sheets. We love sheets. The fried goop that they will make for you at sheets. Um, <laughs> probably the last thing that, that we would have really benefited from that benefited from physically at mile 200 or whatever, but it was going to be a nice, um, it, you know, a nice emotional uh, moment, I think. Oh, you guys are among friends. At least Andy can relate. Yeah, yeah I love a good sheets mid-ride. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's another boundary I've been pushing during our, our big dumb ride summer. What can I, what can I get away with eating without um, the balance? <laughs> You're... You're pu pushing the boundaries of like bag pasta combinations that are, uh, you know, the <laughs> physics of it. If nothing else is really cutting edge. I think it's the uh, the Red Bull coupled with mozzarella sticks and what did you have? Fried a fried cheese ball, Andy? <laughs> yeah, it was fried mac and cheese, mozzarella sticks, and a Red Bull right before the uh, the big switchback <laughs> climb on the gravel ring. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, it worked out. It's fine. Same color. It's all yellow. Yeah, I can't think of anything, honestly. I, I eat some pretty garbage food. Um, you know, on the, I mean, on the ride, we both just ate sports food the entire time, like, you know. Um, oh, that's true. I, I think that actually, as a, as a whole, <laughs> that was absolutely disgusting. I mean, thing, you know, 20 yeah. bars and 20 goos and, and uh, yeah. you know, 10 scratches in, in 21 hours is, your body shouldn't, is not meant to digest. No, we <laughs> shouldn't do that. So anybody watching, please don't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's the morning after I worry about, <laughs> you know. Electrolyte uh, diet. Different kind of sheets. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. All right. What's, yeah. What's the worst clothing choice you've ever made for a ride? Ooh. Uh, I've definitely, um, I've definitely gotten caught out in when I lived in upstate New York and Ithaca. There were a number of rides that I would get caught. I would start off and it'd be nice and nice and warm, and then it would just get super cold and nasty. And I got caught a number of times. And yeah, every I just continued to be dumb and not bring along the stuff that I should have just brought along. But um, I was younger then. I was younger. The mistake that I always make, um, and I just uh, I have just not found a solution that I like is. Um, really cold temperatures, not having enough, not having strong enough gloves. And I've experimented with everything. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just like a bit of a baby about it, uh, but I, I always end up suffering. And I always end up wishing I had more gloves, despite wearing like basically ski gloves, um, you know, in 25 degree weather, which is should be more than sufficient. I just, uh, I don't do well with it. And so... Yeah, I never found a pair of gloves that works. You always end up like punching the gear shifters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With Close my hand balled in a fist in the, <laughs> the center of the glove, which is not ideal. Which is where Jeremy's approach to not having a gear shifter really becomes genius. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of punching your bike, um, what is the most seems fine technology, mechanical repair, or hack you've had to rely on in order to finish a ride? Hmm. Uh, earlier this year, I, I booted a tubeless tire with a uh, cliff bar wrapper um, on like mile 15 of like a 120 mile ride. Uh, road ride that was also a little bit mixed surface um, and it held the whole time. And it was my last tube, I ended up riding into town to, I think, go to, uh, yeah, to, go to Walmart to get a bunch of uh, tubes and then it held the whole way. So Wow. Um, this is where we shout out to our sponsor, Cliff Bar. 
Just kidding. They're not. Uh, Jeremy, I think I know the answer for you. I was going to say, Andy, you probably have an answer for me. Yeah. Yeah, you did a 150-mile bike race carrying a pedal wrench <laughs> because, like a big pet, like a full-size pedal wrench. Yeah, it was. Uh, it it was like the number ten. It was the number ten wrench, so that I could, um, that I could get. The, yeah, basically, so I could get back the uh, the the right pedal on or the right arm. It was is the bottom bracket that was giving me problems. Oh, right, it was like rubbing against the frame. <laughs> right. Your 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 crank arm spacing was such that your crank yeah. arms wouldn't clear the frame body, so you had to put them on loose in order to pedal them. Yeah. But then you kept pedaling it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it all all ended well. I mean, you know, you got, I got third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that that's a pretty good one. I just can't. I, I immediately my mind went to that bike netic race where I broke my saddle and punctured my tubular, and I rode that for like forty minutes. <laughs> There's an amazing picture of your flat tired bike. With your completely shattered saddle <laughs> covered in mud. Yeah. yeah, and and that race too. I mean, uh, yeah, I I I finished pretty well. I was pretty happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems fine. <laughs> uh, what's one thing you'd bring with you on any big dumb ride? Oh. I usually don't bring enough, so that's probably, um, yeah, that's, I, I should think about that. Um, Maybe we but should. now I got these cool, like, bags, so I'm going to bring more of, I'm going to bring more, like, stuff with me on big dumb rides, but. Like pizza. Um, I usually don't bring enough. That's, <laughs> that's sort of my answer. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I sort of go the other way from both of you. I, I always feel like if I if I have like an extra couple gels more than I need, um, that sort of gives me some confidence that I'm not gonna, you know, completely uh, go to pieces. Um, I feel like I can limp I can limp along for a couple miles on like on like two gels. Um, again, not a great thing to do to your body um, and not that enjoyable of an experience, but. So last rapid fire question. If money and time was no object, what's one bike product that you'd bring to market that doesn't exist yet? It could be an app, a tool, a bike accessory, whatever. Um, I don't know if they have this or not, but um, I would really love if I could like change my PSI like mid-race. Yes. <laughs> like like pump up Reeboks like those like yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Pull from your handlebars somehow yeah for me <laughs> yeah. yeah but like you know like a a dropper post but for your wheels you know you it's like yeah I want to be at twenty eight and now I want to be at thirty two oh man that's like actually the best idea for a product that's come out of that question so far <laughs> like I want that. <laughs> I've thought about it for many, many, many years. I just think like somebody's got to figure this out. There's got to be some way to like Bluetooth that like somehow. I don't know. Without causing I, like explosions. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> want that more than I want a '66 wheel bicycle. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> I think this passes our our uh, our Strava pucker fast factor. Metric, Andy. That was still a good one. I think there's money in that. Yeah. We we were thinking, like, Strava should measure, like, your ass clench factor. Fear. Like, measure fear. fear. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun metric. It'd be more fun than local legends, but I don't know if we'd go for it. What, what about levels, you? Like, at the end of the ride, and then <laughs> yeah. have that on an app somehow. 
Yeah. <laughs> I to breathe into the thing. I don't know how that would work. But yeah, yeah, I'm about that. You were this level scared. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan, did you have a, a product? I don't think I can top that because I because I will buy that as soon as Jeremy brings it to market. I, I'm first in line. Well, well that's kind of that's kind of it, y'all. That's those are our questions. Um, thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any any uh, any other stories about this ride that we we were not able to bring up through the nature of the questions that we asked that you feel like would just be a, a shame to not share? Um, well, you know, uh, I don't know if this is a if this is our like couple secret, but. We were having a pretty good time trying to decide um, how we were going to deal with the fact that Trump was in the hospital. And um, should we actually tell people about this as we were riding along? And um, I still think about that. So that, that's a, that was a heart moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, so we woke up, you know, at six in the morning um, and I checked my phone and Maybe we'd know the night before. I don't know. We weren't. We weren't really. I wasn't paying that much attention. But that was when Trump got COVID and went to the hospital. And then we both had our phones off for the entire ride. Um, and so it was sort of, uh, you know, this open question of is the president, you know, um, if something happens, are we going to learn about it? On um, you know, where were you when Kennedy <laughs> was shot? Where were you when you heard Trump got? Uh, you know, succumb to COVID. Uh, I was, yeah. I was, you know, just outside of Williamsport, it was one in the morning, and <laughs> we went into a through hiker. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah, it did. It did. You know, we were we were wishing. You know, not wishing it's okay. It's it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it speaks to how we unplug on bikes. I love. I love that. And I think, you know, you guys are talking about like how much solo riding we've done this year. And that's definitely been true for me when I'm not riding out with Andy. Um, but it's like with all the screen time, I feel like it is one of the few moments in your, our lives right now where you can literally turn it off, put it in your back pocket and you're not online doom scrolling for five hours. <laughs> it's been a incredible relief. But that's amazing. Yeah, you guys like kind of disappeared into this vortex of like no news for <laughs> 24 hours. On the most newsworthy day of the year. It yeah. yeah. <laughs> it I don't was. Know if that was a blessing or not. I, I think I mean, it probably was. I think it was a good Yeah. Day. <laughs> I mean, it ended up being so newsworthy because, you know, we found out in the early hours of the morning that you guys smashed the Pittsburgh to DC record. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest news of the year. Awesome. I mean, you really did, though. I mean, you smashed the record. You you didn't just beat it. Like, you beat it by enough where, you know, we're sitting here a couple months later, and after repeated attempts to, to beat that record, no one has no one has taken a shot at it yet. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. But, yeah, you know, at some point, some, some of these, you know, fast dudes are really going to get on the gap code train and they're going to they're going to just have some phenomenal 18 hour ride or something you know um, but until then yeah i think uh, i think we'll hold it for a little while yeah i i'm i'm just surprised you know like that that yeah like you know bigger names haven't haven't done the gapco um, record but it's tricky cuz you guys need to find windows where you're not going to run people over you know because it, it does get a little yeah. dicey closer to dc it's it's always tricky um even when we went out i think we left at five in the morning for our 300k and and there were already people on there by 6 30 7 so like finding that that no pedestrian window yeah and you, you know if you do the whole thing you sort of run into those every town and every sort of tourist spot there was a couple plays with a little bit of traffic but Another benefit, I think, of doing it as late in the year as we did. You know, if we if we'd done it Labor Day weekend or something, or you know, a nice summer, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a different kind of record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, thanks y'all for joining us. This yeah. is awesome, and uh, we appreciate getting a, a window into this pretty incredible ride.
I mean, incredibly stupid, but also just incredibly awesome ride that you guys did. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Fun to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Let us know what you're going to do next. Keep us posted. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a second one.